Hey everyone, it's Copeland Bell, your historical housekeeper. Welcome to Polish and Scream, where I document the historic homes I clean and the strange things that happen in them. This podcast is for mature audiences only. No little ears should be listening. So get nice and cozy, and let me tell you a story. Episode 8, Oakwash Manor. Believe it or not, observing the strange and unusual is part of being a housekeeper. That little box tucked neatly under the bed of the room I just vacuumed? Well, I'll never open that. The massive screaming fight you had with your neighbor on the back porch? I didn't hear a damn thing. And that hidden stash of rolled-up fifties you have in a jar labeled for when he cheats? It will still be in the back of the closet when you get home. Usually, I don't care about the seemingly strange things I may stumble across. After all, housekeepers go into your most sacred of spaces. It's natural that I happen to see those things which you'd like to remain hidden. But sometimes, I get more than I bargained for. After my work at Agatha's penthouse, word must have spread like wildfire. I was getting multiple bookings for truly incredible projects and long-term cleanings. It was like magic. My business was taking off, and by the end of each week, I was running on excitement and 7-Eleven coffee. I refused to pay more than $2 for a cup of hot water poured over beans. This is the hill I'll die on. Friday rolled around with the promise of yet another gorgeous home. But this one was truly in a league of its own. I felt like I'd finally made it. This house was in Banfield Heights. Yes, as in Agatha Banfield from the penthouse episode. Her family is so rich, they have an area named after them. Can you imagine? Oakwash Manor sits back off a sleepy little road, its perimeter surrounded by a tall black wrought iron gate. Cozy by deeply wooded forest on both sides, it felt private and remote. The front lawn was a lush, green, sprawling field. The home itself was a large, two-story gray stone building with a double-door entryway. While it was beautiful, I couldn't help but think it seemed a bit cold. I knew it was huge, but was shocked as I drove up the cobblestone road that led to the employee entrance. Yes, you heard me right. Employee entrance. As I pulled around back, I noted that the home had a massive patio, pool, tennis courts, and horse stables. Horse stables. All in all, I guess it sat on approximately 10 acres on the outskirts of town. I parked my Jeep and took a deep breath. I couldn't let this moment go by without doing a happy dance. I had made it to the big leagues of historic homes. This was surreal and so exciting. After giving myself a quick pep talk of, hey, you got this, I pulled up the email with the door code and entered the employee entrance awkwardly, dragging my kit behind me. Before I could survey my surroundings, I encountered who I would soon discover was Miss Trinity, the manager of the house. Oh, it's you, a voice sounded to my right. I turned to see a tall, thin woman with severe black bangs and flaming red lipstick. She was dressed from head to toe in black, with chunky turquoise bracelets around her wrist. She looked like an evil Meryl Streep, and I instantly wanted to be her friend. Hey, I'm Copeland Bell. I'm here to clean the woodwork and the... 
I trailed off as this woman rolled her eyes at me. Oh yes, I've heard all about you, she said with a dismissive wave. The staff is none too happy about your kitschy little business worming its way into our schedule. Sandra has been cleaning the library for 12 years. Pledge works just fine. She stared as if daring me to respond. What you haven't learned about me is that I can be a bit of a hothead. So recognizing this in myself, I've learned to take two deep breaths before responding. Me in my 20s would have asked this person who in the hell did they think they were talking to. But me in my 30s was trying to be a bit more diplomatic. So instead I said, Hey, I think we're getting off on the wrong foot. I'm Copeland. You must be Miss Trinity. It's nice to meet you. I smiled warmly, holding out my hand for a handshake. After a beat, in which I was almost certain she would slap my hand away, she shook it firmly, turned on her heel, and called over her shoulder. Come along, please. With my short legs, I had to near sprint to catch up with her down the hallway, which was exquisite. The hallway was lined with a beautiful orange and black swirling flower wallpaper, thick stained crown molding, and the richest oak floors I'd ever seen. When we walked into the grand foyer, I almost went weak in the knees. Almost passed out right then and there. The floor continued with a dark oak. There were flanking wide staircases on either side. They met in the center and went on to form one staircase up to the second level. What was truly amazing was the stained glass detail in the window above the staircase. It looked original to the house and was the most vivid piece of stained glass I'd ever seen. It had the silhouette of a man and a woman facing each other, with a bright red cloak hanging between them. I hadn't realized that I'd stopped to stare at it until I heard a sigh and a finger snap coming from the direction of the impatient house manager. I followed after her, but couldn't help it. I asked, Can you tell me more about that beautiful stained glass window? She didn't answer me. We only walked a few more steps before she heaved open floor-to-ceiling wooden pocket doors. And my heart stopped and I forgot all about my question. I had been called here to clean a very specific room, the library. Truth be told, I'm a book nerd, and what I saw made me want to squeal. The room was flanked in floor-to-ceiling bookshelves filled with beautiful antique and hardback books, not a dog-eared paperback in sight like my bookshelves. The wood was a beautiful rich walnut with ornate carved features roping around the edges of each casing. On the far wall was an enormous window overlooking the stables with a deep window seat covered in rich blue velvet cushions. And, as if it couldn't get any better, there was an enormous fireplace with a gigantic mirror hung above. Yes, there were rolling ladders on each side of the room. Yes, I was tempted to do my best bell impersonation from Beauty and the Beast. I think I must have been staring with my mouth open for a little too long because Miss Trinity cleared her throat again. This was my cue. I got out my equipment and got to work. The woodwork and furniture in this room was detailed and required special attention for sure. But it was in maintained condition. Sandra had done well. Glancing over, I noticed that evil Meryl Streep had not moved an inch. She just stood there watching me work. You don't have to stay. I'm sure you're super busy, I said as brightly as I could muster. She looked at me as if I'd told her to go fuck off. You are new to this house, and I am the house manager. Until I see fit, you will be supervised by me, she said with a directness that I tried not to shrink under especially since I got the impression she thought I was going to steal something. Okay, suit yourself, but I warn you, I'm chatty. I grinned at her and started back to work. 
I was not going to let this person derail my job here. I really wanted this to become a regular booking. So how long have you been with the oak washes? I asked while working on a beautifully carved yet creepy cherub head at the corner of the mantle. This will be my 14th year as a member of their staff, Miss Trinity replied primly. You must enjoy your work. This place is beautiful, I said, trying to keep the conversation flowing. It is a beautiful place, but you are never to go snooping around in areas where you are not permitted. What, is it like haunted or something? I said with a laugh. And for the first time, I saw the hint of a smile cross evil Meryl Streep's lips. I like you, she said, and I just don't want you to get lost, or worse, make a mess. With that, we fell into easy conversation. Miss Trinity's first name was Margaret, but I was to call her Miss Trinity. I would never tell her of her true nickname. I don't think she'd appreciate evil Meryl Streep. She was the oldest of three children. She was not married and had no children herself. I'd like to think she was starting to warm up to me. You asked about the stained glass window in the foyer. Would you like to know the details? She said with a hint of a smile on her face. Absolutely. Granted, I don't have much exposure beyond attending Catholic Church as a child, but it's the most vibrant window I've ever seen, I responded. Miss Trinity sat down for the first time, and I could see that she was finally starting to relax around me. She continued, It certainly is beautiful. This estate has been in the Oakwash family for more than a century. The window is a depiction of Carolina and Richard Oakwash, the founders of Oakwash Manor. They built this home for their large family, six children in total. Richard had the stained glass portrait commissioned as a love letter to his wife. Somewhere in this very library, the details of the construction and sale are archived, along with plenty of Oakton history. She waved her hand towards the elaborate shelving. That's incredible, and in such pristine condition. What a cherished family keepsake that must be, I said, while continuing to work. Cherished family keepsake it is not. The family would have it removed, if it were not written into every will throughout the generations that it must remain intact exactly as it is. As for the couple displayed in the window, well, that is not a representation of true love. From all accounts, it was more like obsession. She sucked in a quick breath, realizing that she'd probably said too much. Oh, come on, you can't leave me hanging like that, I said playfully. What do you mean, obsession? She smiled and wagged a finger at me. You weren't kidding, Miss Bell. You really are chatty, and you're bringing it out in me. I'll tell you what was told to me by the former house manager before she retired. Most of the staff have heard the stories anyway. Richard and Carolina Oakwash look like the perfect couple on display there. However, Richard commissioned that window the day after Carolina died. The way it was told to me, she fell down those very steps out in the foyer. Miss Trinity made air quotes with her fingers. She continued, Richard, grief-stricken and all alone in this enormous home, apparently became obsessed with contacting his deceased wife to be with her again. No way, like with a Ouija board or something? I said, so curious. No, Miss Bell, not a Ouija board. That is a toy. Apparently, he used some occult practices, I'm told. Regardless, the window displays Richard and Carolina in all their beauty, divided by a red curtain, which represents the veil. The what? Like when you get married? I asked with confusion. Miss Trinity rolled her eyes for the billionth time and responded, The veil. Good gracious, the separation between the world of the living and the world of the dead. I thought you said you were raised Catholic. Well, I never said I paid attention in Sunday school, I said, feeling a bit sheepish. 
I can only imagine, she said dryly. Well, I think that's enough manor lore for today. The window is lovely, but the past of it is haunting to me. I don't care to look at it. Thank you for sharing the history with me. I love how each house has a story, I said. Miss Trinity nodded her head, but said no more. I continued my work in silence, my mind spinning over the details I just heard. A crash from the hallway broke the silence between us. I told you I wanted fucking pink orchids! These are lilac! shrieked a woman from what I assumed was the formal entryway. Wow, she sounded intense. I noticed that Miss Trinity had already slipped out of the library, leaving me inside. I heard her speaking in a lower, soothing register to the woman soon after. But surely you see, this is not pink, the woman said in a still shrill but more respectful tone. My guess was that even the inhabitants of the house knew not to push Miss Trinity too far. Completely done with my work and alone in this library, I took a stroll, running my fingers down the spine of several books. Miss Trinity had said the library contained Oakton history, and I figured I could snoop a little while I waited. After all, I wanted to find out more about this weird town. I pulled out a large green book with Oakton scrawled on the side. Nothing but maps. While beautiful, cartography really wasn't my thing. I kept searching, finding an old photo album that seemed too personal to really be looking at, so I quickly shelved it and continued browsing. Something caught my eye at the very top of the shelving. A thick book bound in navy blue leather. The lettering was gold, shiny and new, so unlike all the other books. Curiosity rising within me, I glided the wooden ladder over to the shelf and began to climb. I felt a bit wobbly being up so high, but determination rose to meet the inkling of fear within me. I took my first good look at the book. In bold gold lettering, the title read, The Demise of Copeland Bell. Instantly, I shrank back in fear, causing me to become unsteady on the ladder. The book tumbled to the ground, and I let out a shrill, Oh, shit! as the ladder slid over a few feet. After steadying myself, I quickly scampered down the ladder. The book lay open and face down on the thick rug. I scooped it up, worried that at any moment Miss Trinity, or worse, that irate woman, would come into the library. Looking down, my body pulsed with terror as I read those three little words, I see you, printed over and over again on the page. The creaking of the pocket door opening was my only warning that someone was coming and I quickly slammed the book shut and tossed it onto the shelf. Miss Trinity entered the library, her face tight with irritation. Yet she paused, looking at me with a discerning eye. You look pale, Miss Bell. Are you feeling well? Yes, of course. I'm all finished. Just let me pack up and I'll be out of your hair. I responded as evenly as I could. Internally, my heart was racing. I packed up and turned to let Miss Trinity know that I was ready, but stopped. Miss Trinity was facing towards the large mirror. I could see her face was ashen and her mouth formed a little O of perfect red lipstick. She looked horrified, but of what I couldn't tell. I scanned all around, but there was nothing out of place. I was starting to get concerned that maybe she was having a medical issue, so I walked over to her and said, Miss Trinity? Ever so softly. She just stood there, motionless, looking in the mirror. Taking a step closer, I placed my hand on her shoulder. She whirled around, eyes wide and scared. 
When she focused on my face, I watched her expression change rapidly from terror to her normal one of dour authority. Are you all right? I asked with concern. Miss Trinity looked at me with what I can only describe as condescension and said, Whatever do you mean? Please follow me. I'll issue your check. And she walked back the way we came. Honestly, I was so stunned and unsure, I just followed her. She led me wordlessly to a small office beside the employee entrance and pointed to a chair outside the door. Please sit here while I issue your payment, she said and closed the door briskly behind her. After five minutes of waiting and rationalizing, I started to wonder what was taking so long. I strained and heard two hushed voices. I saw it with my own eyes this time, whispered Miss Trinity. No, I don't have a good read on her yet. Could be nothing. I thought they were done with this, she said. I'd heard enough. I just wanted my check. A few seconds later, the door mercifully opened. Are you all right, Miss Bell? Miss Trinity asked as she handed me my fee. Oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just a bit tired, I lied. Very well. I must say, after inspecting your work, it really was lovely. If approved by the Oakwashes, I will place you on the schedule regularly. Look for my email in the next few days, Miss Trinity said, opening the door to usher me out. That is very kind of you to say, I said, trying to raise a smile to my face. I waited until I got out into my Jeep before I breathed fully, before I could actually say what in the hell out loud, because what in the hell just happened in there? Then I finally looked at my paycheck. When I saw the figure scrawled across that check, which was double my fee, I squealed. Enough money to pay my rent, to fill my fridge, and my gas tank. If this was the kind of money I was going to make, sign me up for the creepiest shit out there, okay? Keeping my business afloat and a roof over my head, well, that's all the motivation I needed. But, after all that had happened recently, I really needed a fucking day off. I should have known it was too good to be true. The dream started that very night. A frail young woman in a bright red robe sat curled up in a plushed chair, reading a familiar leather-bound book with delicate gold lettering on the spine. She closed it with a smile and said, Welcome to the fold, Copeland. After that dream, I knew things were about to get bumpy. Polish and Scream will be taking a short break. We will resume our episodes in October. And really, is there a better month to start back up? Look for Copeland to get some answers and even more scares in the episodes to come. Thank you for listening to Polish and Scream. Polish and Scream is created by M. Dawson with support from Becca Rhodes. If you enjoy listening to Polish and Scream, please consider giving us a good review. It really does help get the word out there about us. And if you'd like to get in touch, please shoot us an email at polishandscreampodcast at gmail.com. 